Welcome to another guitar teaching business podcast. This podcast is for guitar teachers or wannabe guitar teachers and covers a range of topics connected to teaching and business. The podcast is presented by the G4 Guitar Teacher Network. If you are interested in teaching guitar and want to learn more about what we offer, go to the website g4guitaronline.com. That's g4guitaronline.com. My name is David Hart and I will be your host. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like me to cover, just send me a message. I got an email asking about how to retain students and in the process of the the conversation, the email conversation came up the uh, the idea of calling students and what what I basically call a student student satisfaction phone call to find out how happy they are with the lessons and, and how things are progressing. So the the teacher asked what should they do in this phone call? What what's what should they say exactly? What kind of questions should they ask? And I think it's a good question. It's very important. In in most cases you don't have to even ask particular questions. It's just making the phone call and making connection with the student or the parent just to see how things are going. So really the aim of the phone call is to open up the lines of communication and, and to build some trust. What I would generally say uh, to a student when I ring is I just wanted to call to see how things are going. How are you feeling about your lessons and progress so far? And from there, um, what I tend to hear most people would, would answer in one of two ways. The, the, the first way they would answer is, Everything is going well, thanks for calling. So there really wasn't much more to do in that initial conversation. Or the B is they will blurt out complaints or challenges. So I should go back to the first one about there's nothing more to do. It's actually, it appears there's nothing more to do. So when someone says everything is going well, you don't quite know. If they say that they respond with, uh, if, like if there's a response that shows and you can feel that they're really happy with things and you get that vibe, you, you can tell if someone is genuinely happy with it. But if it's kind of like a way of dismissing you, everything is going well. So really, if someone responds with that's great and, and or sorry, you respond to that and you try and somehow personalize the comment, um, this might include talking to them about something you were impressed with uh, if, if we're talking about their child. So when, when you respond, when they respond with everything is going well and then you, you respond back with, hey, that's great, and then you personalize that in some way. So don't just say it's great. Say, look, I'm really happy with the practice that you've been doing. It seems like you're, you're really making good progress or it seems like you're enjoying it. So if you can just go back to something that happened in the lesson or something about them that's going to make it personal for them because that way they know that you're listening to them and that you're you're interested in them and that this is just not some routine phone call we all we've all had those phone calls that we get from companies saying just ringing to see if you're happy with our product and you you know that they don't really care they do they're just doing it to find out a if there's something that that they've missed or B, which is okay, which is which is not a bad thing, or B, to see if they can sell you something more. And you don't want to have that typical response. You want a response where they feel that you care, that you are genuinely calling to to find out if 
things are going okay with them. This doesn't mean you need to change the way that you, you teach. It just means that you want to understand how they're perceiving it. Because I, I would take this this idea that I'll, I'll talk about it more in, in other podcasts, but just to kind of touch on it here, is that we we often have this approach or this idea that when we ring up for student feedback, that what we're looking for is how we can improve our lessons in other words how can we improve our program what is this something that we're not doing in our program that this student wants what this can tend to lead you to is you're constantly changing your program that there's no there's no real compass here there's no direction if let me put it in these terms if you go to a doctor for example and the doctor says look you've got a particular illness um, i'd like you to take this particular medication. So so you take that medication and the doctor rings you a few days later to see how things are going. And if your response is, oh, I really don't like this medication, it, it, is there something else I can get? The doctor's not thinking in the terms of, well, how about this one? Because it's, it's got lemon flavor. But if they've got that and it's an option, sure. But what they're really trying to find out is whether or not the medicine is working, whether it's getting a result. They're not asking you for to to rewrite their prescription for them. So when that when if you say oh, I've got a bit of nausea, uh, you know it, it's I, I can't sleep so well, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, the doctor can then assess and say, well, they're normal symptoms of the condition you have with this particular medication. Keep taking it. It sounds like everything's okay. Um, even though it's a, a bit uncomfortable. So the doctor is not looking to you to come up with the prescription for what you should be taking. The doctor's just seeing if the medicine is working. So you're really doing the same thing. And sometimes they're reassuring you that it's okay. Those things happen. And that's what we want to be doing as well as reassuring students that the program is working, that what you're doing is 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 going to help you to be able to achieve the, the, goal, to, the goal of playing guitar and and what you're doing is reassuring them that yes some of the exercises are boring yes sometimes you're not going to see the progress that you're looking for uh so quickly but what you're going to what you're going to get out of it is the result that you're looking for in other words you're going to achieve the goal that you're after and that's the goal of learning to play guitar so what what you want to do is when when you're ringing people up when you're following up with these phone calls and and doing the student student satisfaction phone call, it's not just finding out how satisfied they are with the lessons, it's finding out how they're interpreting the lessons, how they're interpreting what you're teaching. Because as a teacher, as a professional, you should really have a program. And that's the, that's the thing with G4 is that we have a program and the idea is that we know what we're going to teach. We know the path that you need to take. And I think if you'd speak to most uh, very experienced musicians, who have learnt an instrument, they they may have had a, you know a long and winding road to get where they've got, and they may have different ways of doing things and different paths that they've taken to get where they get. Yes, people have unique stories, and we've heard them many times. But I think when you sit down with most, especially teach you know experienced teachers, and you sit down with them, they all agree that there's certain things that you really need to do to get to where you want to get, and the fact that most People don't take a direct route. Most people go off on different tangents and find their way there. In the end, it's really these very same 
ideas and same concepts and, and, and exercises that tend to work for most students. If I give you an example, most students, most teachers will tell you to practice scales. They, you might not like it, you might think it's boring, uh, students tend to think it's boring and don't understand it, but you're going to find very few experienced musicians who don't practice scales or who, who didn't practice scales at some point to get to a certain level of playing. Even if they're just practicing one or two scales, those scales become their they go to scale, especially you know if you take a blues player or a lot of rock players, they will just hang on to a few different scales that they will use for their for most of their playing. So you know scales, arpeggios, rhythm, timing, uh, ear training, uh, some some basic theory. If a guitarist chords, uh, picking technique, these are all things that every single musician or every single guitarist at least needs to do to be able to get to a certain level. So by having a program of how they're going to do that, the, the journey and making sure that you're focusing on the things that matter and the things that they, they need to do, then that we know that's gonna work. Then what we're trying to do is keep them in the game, keep them understanding that you're on the right path. Again, going back to that analogy of the doctor, if, okay, I, I wanna give you the medication that's going to, to cure you, but I also, you know, I want to try and make it as pleasant and as comfortable as possible. And I, 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 that's not necessarily the best analogy, but what it does is kind of describes the experience of learning an instrument. And, and that is that it's not always going to be fun. That the, the, the cure to, to, you know, becoming a musician, if you like, is not necessarily made up of pleasure, pleasurable moments after pleasurable moments. It's going to be hard work with moments of pleasure, hard work, moments of pleasure. So that's what we're trying to do in these phone calls is not just get across the fact that they need to, uh, well, not just, not sorry, not just trying to connect with them to find out if they're happy, but to find out what it is that they're perceiving and how we can reframe that. So if you get this, you, you know, that's the, the, the way I look at these two answers, everything is going well, remember, and then and then the second answer uh, of them blurting out a complaint or challenges. So in the first case, what we're trying to do is just make sure that there's not something hidden under that. So we'll dig a little bit deeper, maybe a few more questions, uh, ask them, you know, what they've been doing, how they have they been practicing each night, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The other is that so when they blurt out that they've a certain complaint, then that's when you you should address whatever that complaint is. And we don't, you know, in most cases, the, the complaints are going to be the same. There's going to be a handful of complaints you, that you'll hear. Uh, an example that I can think of is people will say, I, you know, I, my fingers are sore. This is a typical thing of a beginner. They'll, you know, after a week or two of, of practicing, they'll say, my fingers are sore from the strings or whatever. So I'll explain to them that's normal. It's like a new pair of shoes. You, you might get a few blisters or whatever on your feet, but then your feet get used to it. So if it's too sore, just stop. You don't need to keep practicing. And but don't don't if it's a little bit tender, don't let that stop you because that's just the fingers will start to toughen up. And I often show them my fingertips, and I say, look, my fingertips are actually quite soft. Um, they're a little little bit leathery on the, the surface, but there's not much there, and that's because. A combination of things happen. One is that yes, your fingers get a little bit tougher, but the other thing is you also learn good technique. So you learn how to press f 
with the minimum amount of effort to get the note to sound perfect. In other words, for it to come out clearly. So giving the, the students these reassurances with their different kinds of challenges and complaints will allow them to feel reassured that they're on the right track with you and that, that they will keep coming each and every week. Yeah, so that pretty well answers that, the, the student satisfaction call. If you've got any other questions on that, let me know and um, I'll do another podcast on it. Thank you. So on the topic of these student satisfaction phone calls, I want to give you an example of something that happens a lot in business and happened to me recently, which kind of will give you an idea of the way, the, the, the message that people get from these companies without them sometimes even realizing. And so, so what happened is I rang up, I've, I've got a, a, my internet provider in, in Australia. I won't actually name any companies here, but my internet provider, gave, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, it was running slow. So I wanted to, to contact them to find out if there's something going on that I need to do, need to change, or if I need to you know, go up to, to another uh, package, something you know, of a higher price, which I, I was happy to pay as long as I can get what I need. So anyway, when I originally joined this company, they they had this special offer and it was like half the price of norm, normal for the first 12 months. All right, that sounds great. I took up the offer and then we moved before the contract ended. And they said to me at that time, you need, to, you, we can't take that same package to the new location you're at. You need to go up to this fully fully priced option all right if that's the way it works no problem now just on that point that is a, a policy that they have where they're not going to give me the same deal because I'm not in the same area now they probably have their costs they have their way of looking at it and and although I'm not entirely happy with it and I think they could have worn the cost for a couple of months because I was going to go up to the next anyway but they just because they're they're risking me at the end of that contract or even at that point completely cancelling and going with another company so why you know over what was essentially maybe a hundred dollars to them why or even less actually to them their costs when they're probably talking 20 or 30 dollars in terms of their actual costs why bother why not just allow it to flow through and then, because most people who take up these contracts are probably not moving, uh, I would say 90% of people who take up a contract with, a, with like a 12-month contract would have every intention of staying where they are. They are. So the, my point here is, is don't ruffle feathers where it's unnecessary. Even if it costs you a little bit at the time, think about the long-term costs, the cost of losing clients. So that's the first lesson here. Now, the second lesson or message that they were sending out without the knowing is that when I rang initially I pressed the option for technical support because I wanted to find out if there was something wrong why why wasn't I getting this is at the new place why was it so slow especially the upload speed what's going on anyway when I pressed through a number of options to get to the caller to get to the sorry the, the support it, I got a message saying that there was a waiting, a, a queue, uh, and it would take approximately one hour before someone would be able to attend to me. Okay, one hour waiting on the phone. I wasn't going to do that. So what I did, 
So I hung up and I rang again, but this time I pressed sales and I went straight through to somebody. So what's this? What's the message that they're sending out here? The message is, we don't care about you as a, a current customer, but we do care about getting new business. We're really... We, we, we really prioritize new business. And then what we do is we get you on a contract and then we make you wait. We don't care about you once you're on the contract. That's the message that they're sending out. And that's something that I've flipped in business and I've done it for a long time. And anyone who, who is a client of mine knows this and, and past students. Now, of course, you, you can't be perfect. You can't always attend to everyone. There's probably a few cases out there where I, I wasn't, I, I didn't treat them as the priority for whatever reason, or I just didn't have enough time. But overall, and this is the point, is overall I always prioritize my current clients. I look after those people who are paying me now. I don't push them back to start focusing on new business. And that will be very tempting for anybody in business. So if, if we're, we're talking about guitar teachers with guitar students, it's easy to take the students you have for granted. And in fact, the longer you've had those students, the more likely you are to take them for granted, the more likely you are to allow them to wait. And I'm not always talking about strictly waiting in, in terms of, in this case, waiting on the phone, uh, having to wait for over an hour on a, on a, a call to get to t speak to someone in support versus instantly talking to someone in sales. What I'm talking about are all the little things that you do. Are you thinking more about your day-to-day -day marketing and your sales and enrolling new students? Is that where the majority of your energy is going? Or are you putting your current customers first? In other words, are you, I call it internally marketing. So marketing to the students you still have. What is it that you can do for your current students to give them extra value to keep them coming back and to, to, to keep their trust in you and to prioritize them, to make them important. So I'll, I'll leave you to ponder on that, but that's just something that I wanted to share with you is, is the way that these companies are basically putting someone like me as a client, in, as a current client, I should say, as a low priority compared to new business. So anyway, that was the point I was going to make there. Thank you for your time. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover, just send me a message. If you're interested in learning more about what we offer to guitar teachers, just go to our website, g4guitaronline.com. That's g4guitaronline.com. Thank you.